0: Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. So take your 170, take your 85, take your Kicks, take your Wrapped Hands, take your December, take your USADA, take your 180, shove them up your ass. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday, and thank you. Another special episode if you're welcome. I'm out in San Diego for the Big Bellator 300 show, but that doesn't mean I don't have time to give you guys what you want. And coming up on today's episode, I think Michael Chandler is on the verge of looking desperate. Plus, I'm going to react to Errol Hawani's interview with Dylan Dennis, and I'm also going to take a deep look into the UFC's lightweight division, starting here. Charles is so upside down and backwards that I'm not convinced he's not trolling me. I'm not convinced that Charles isn't pulling the strings and I'm the puppet moving around. He's that away from reality that I don't think is possible. I I just don't think you can be around the sport I don't think you could have a manager, like, you know, people that you talk to on a regular basis, social media that's involved the sport, media members. I just don't think it'd be possible to live in this space and not know what time it is to the point that I'm starting to think that Charles is playing us, which would be a massive compliment to Charles because I don't get played very often, but I might be here. Charles came out and said that he does not think it's fair that he has to fight Islam in Abu Dhabi. Now, I can live with that. I can live with that. Fair might mean something different in Portuguese, right? We know in America that there's nothing fair, particularly in business, but I can live with the fact that he said that. The problem is, was the follow-up sentence where he said, he's the champion, he calls the shots. Now, not only is there no truth to that, Charles used to be champion and never called a single shot. I mean, just by example, as champion, he went to Arizona to fight Justin Gaethje, the biggest mixed martial arts star the state has ever produced at that time. Sugar Sean came along, took that away from about a month ago, but at that time... So this isn't just going to a continent, right? Charles's champion had to go to the state, not just a continent, not just a place where, 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 where Muslim is more common than not. He went to the actual state. State took his belt away. State didn't even have the authority to take his belt away. In my opinion, he handed it back. I'm just sharing for you. To say that the champion calls the shots, you might think that. There's champions that will come out there and lie. They will come out there, they'll pretend that they're getting from town to town in a private jet. They'll pretend that they got a pocket full of money and they got a a staff with them and that they travel by limousine. They'll pretend these things. And if you never make it to that status, you could go your whole life believing that it was true. And I couldn't tease you for that. You're a simpleton, right? You took him at his word. You saw a little video. He There there was a jet. He said he got on it. He said it was his. Why would I not believe him? I mean, I'm just sharing for him. He used to be champion. What shot did he ever call? I mean, right, it's a really weird thing, but I need to break it down for you guys. Okay. As champion, he went to the state where his most dangerous opponent lie. And regardless of how that fight went, that was his most dangerous opponent. State took his belt away. He didn't lose within the state. He was not disqualified within the state. He did not have a hearing or a suspension to his license within the state. They just took his belt away. All right, fine. Okay, great. But you gotta understand that was the state. Are you guys are you guys following me here? I'm, I'm really trying to make this point because Islam is not from Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi is a city that lies within a country known as the United Arab Emirates, which is in the desert. And within the desert of that country, they irrigated six cities, one of them being Abu Dhabi. Very hard to do anything in the desert. Very difficult. Las Vegas was saying it will never, never work because there's no water. To Abu Dhabi, they got desert everywhere. They irrigated six cities. One of them is called Abu Dhabi. I tell you that because a lot of you might think it's a country. I'm giving you a little bit of a lesson here. But Islam is from Dagestan. Dagestan is within Russia, and we could have an entire debate on that. Because while what I just said is accurate, Dagestan doesn't think it is. Either way, either way, it's not in the Middle East. Oh, and by the way, Islam does his training camps at the same place that Khabib did with Coach Javier Mendez in San Jose, California. Islam Makhlchev's plane ride to get to the fight will be four and a half hours longer than Charles Oliveira's plane ride to get to the fight. If you're talking about home field advantage, I think that you're talking about whoever is closest to the stadium. That's what it has always meant my entire life. Whoever is closest to the arena has the home field advantage. Charles Oliveira has got him by four and a half hours. No, I, I see where I'm being a little bit silly, but I am attempting to prove a point Though, what is he talking about? Okay, great, we don't have to hide it. He's talking about the Muslim community. Well, let's take a little bit of a look at that. There is nobody that is asking to see a rematch between Charles and Islam. That's a broad stroke, and that's even rude. Okay, Gabriel Checo, I might have just violated our deal. I apologize, but I'm attempting to prove a point. Nobody is pining for this fight, not in North America, that drives this not just these United States. I'm bringing our friends across the border in the Canadian crowd. This is not in demand. The first one was not in demand. The first one was so completely one-sided, it was a three-to-one spread before it happened. Three-to-one. Now that we've seen it, it's four-to-one. There are not rematches that happen under these circumstances. Time out. Somebody in Abu Dhabi wants that fight again. It's irrelevant that you know that. Well, Charles is going out and saying, This isn't fair. We have to fight in Abu Dhabi. Excuse me, Charles. If they didn't do the fight in Abu Dhabi, you're not getting the fight. You were not remotely competitive the first time. It was seven and a half minutes that went everywhere. It went against the cage. It went in the center. It went to a wrestling department. There was punches. There was kicks. There was knees. There was, It went everywhere. Every part of it was not only one. It was dominated by the same guy. Now, there's no part of me that's attempting to be a jerk to Charles. I'm attempting to perhaps compliment him. I don't believe. It is possible to be so lost that you have a world title fight for the second time against the same guy only because of the geographical location. There is no other reason that this is being rematched. I think he knows that. I think he knows that. I think he's having fun. Because while it appears that he doesn't, I don't think he's a great actor. While it would appear that he doesn't, I have to juxtapose, does he not versus he would have to. And then I also think that there's a troll move there where he's trying to say this is home field advantage when he, in fact, is four and a half hours closer by plane. And that was juxtaposed, by the way, using a 747 jumbo jet if you care to go and do the research yourself. And that, of course, on top of the fact that he as champion had to go into his greatest challenger's backyard, his real backyard. Not a country that likes him, that happens to have a culture that he can relate with, his actual backyard. And they took his belt, which I don't think they had the authority to, I mean, I'm just saying it's a really interesting thing. Joe Rogan was talking about Volkanovski, and he had beautiful things to say. And he said that Volkanovski is the number one fighter, pound for pound, in the world. And Joe said they don't have him ranked as number one in the world because he lost to Islam. And Joe went on to say you easily could have said he won the Islam fight, which is true. I mean, that, that was a controversial decision. So let's look at that, though, because what, what do you do there? I also have Volkanovski as number one. And I don't bring into it that they should have raised his hand against Islam. I I accept the outcome of that match. And even even if I didn't, I wouldn't bring it into it. I've never liked that. I I don't know why we're having matches if we're not going to agree to settle the dispute here, right? I mean, it's the ultimate form. It, It is the rules of the people's court. You guys remember that TV show? They go in, it was a stage TV show. It was a real dispute. But this guy that was no longer a judge or had power would preside over it as though it was an actual court. But do you remember this? And their whole slogan is this the people court. They they agree to have their dispute settled here in the people's forum, the people's court. Don't, don't, don't. Do you remember this? It's only, I mean, the octagon is the ultimate for that. So whether you agree with the decision or you don't, you must live with the decision and you must respect the decision, in my opinion. In my opinion, you can always have a conversation about it. But when you're having an active ranking and you have a head-to-head match, you have to respect it. Now, I still have Volk number one because it's pound for pound. That match was close enough, even with him coming in second. That was competitive enough. He won more rounds in that fight than every UFC competitor versus Islam combined. He won two rounds. Islam has not lost two total rounds in his UFC career and the one fight where he got caught and knocked out. I'm saying he lost that round. That's also the only round that he's ever lost. So Volk being the smaller guy, I give it to Volk. I give pound for pound to Volk. There's my argument. I think that's reasonable. I don't know that you guys would disagree with me, but but I do bring in the philosophy and the concept because I think more people side with Joe than they do with me. They talk about what should have happened or what could have happened. And I, I don't really know why we go down that road. I, I had an argument one time. I said, oh, Chael, you hate Anderson Silva. and I, You'll never say anything nice about Anderson Silva. I was like, I, don't, I don't think that's true about myself. But I do hear that Anderson was better than Adesanya, to which I have to remind you, they fought. They fought head-to-head and Adesanya won. And I will get pushed back on. But Anderson wasn't in his prime, which, impl- first off, you would have no way to know. You would have no way to know. That's just a weird thing to even say, considering he's still competing. This was so many years ago. Like guys that leave their prime don't compete six years later, but he is. So it's a it's a weird thing to say. But it could be true. Let's accept it. It still implies that Adesanya was, and you wouldn't know if Anderson was. You wouldn't know, but you wouldn't know if Adesanya was. Which is why if you have a head-to-head competition, you must respect the result. And the all-time rankings don't do that. They pay a homage. We, we have a habit of doing that as human beings. We will always hold those who came before us in higher regard than we hold ourselves or we hold our own time. It's called nostalgia. It's called respect. Nothing wrong with it. I just share it for you. If we're not going to respect those outcomes, I, I think it's tough. John Jones is a smaller heavyweight champion. He's not the smallest. I believe Randy Couture to be the smallest heavyweight champion, weighed in as light as 222 pounds. But Steve Miocic would be right there when he weighed in at 231. Shocked everybody. He'd be right there. You could go way back. I think Boss Rutten was closer to 217. I think Kevin Randleman was about 208. But I'm kind of talking like more modern times. And if John was to lose, let's say to Sergei Pavlich, but then we do a ranking and we say no, John's number one pound for pound. He gave up 40 pounds. i kind of gonna scratch my head and going, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if I agree. They're in the same weight class. We didn't make the rules. The rules were set. We saw the ride, we bought the ticket, anyway, they're the same weight class. And you're also right if you say they're 40 pounds different. That's true. But they're in the same weight class is also true. If they went head to head, just by example, by the way, I think that John beats him. Not at all my point. My point being, if we're not going to recognize the contest after the contest happens, why are we having them? It's one of those things. Like, if we know who the better guy is or we're just convinced and that's what we're going to say anyway, just mail him the medal. Just send him the check. What are we traveling the circus around and setting the tent up and popping the popcorn for? I think it's a reasonable question by me. And I think you're going to have a very good answer. I think more people are going to side on the other part of this where you think you do know what you're looking at. You do know who's in his prime. No, you do. You you don't. Humbly, respectfully. No, I don't mean that. Condescendingly and arrogantly, you don't know who's in their prime. You don't know whose best years are ahead of them right now. You don't know Max Holloway's in his prime, just for example. He's done some amazing work and even been called the greatest ever. But if you look at his age, his best days are still in front of him, particularly when you see how healthy Max is, by example. Sean Strickland, same category to make believe as though Adesanya's best days are behind him. You you don't know. You don't know that. You only have what they say. That's how we do this sport. You have two willingful volunteers that raise their hand saying, I can beat him. I am better than him. We take those people at their word and then we put them into the octagon. I suggest for you, out of sportsmanship if nothing else, we honor the result of the contest. Michael Chandler, mystic or delusional? Now I gotta return the favor. I did a topic on this earlier in the week about Conor McGregor with that very question. Because Connor was talking about, he still hopes to fight in December. Now, December has one pay-per-view that we've been told about, which has a main event, which is Leon versus Colby. So either Connor misspoke, didn't know that that news was out, which would be very unlikely. He's very on top of things. Or they're discussing a second pay-per-view that month that hasn't been revealed to us yet. Or he's out of his mind. So we're just discussing. We're just trying to figure out which one it is. Now, Chandler has not let up on the idea that Connor's next. He has not let up on this. And I would understand fully why you would work so hard on that. I I, I really would. I, I support that in every possible way. I'll just share with you to play devil's advocate. It doesn't matter how well you do on social media. Once Dana comes out and tells the world, that's the fight, the end. And he doesn't do that often, but when he does it, you can count on it. So, and he's done that in this situation. He has let the world know. When Conor came out, he began to troll, and I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight Oliveira for the title back when Oliveira was the champion. I'm going to come out. I'm going to. It's me and Khabib again. It's me and Nate Diaz. Welcome back, Nate. It's, you know he's doing having his fun. And Dana let it go, and he let it ride. But on this one, he did come out and clear it up. And I think he did that out of a respect to Chandler. Like, hey, man, I fully understand your situation, and just so you're not at home with a sweaty brow, if this dude comes back, Mina McGregor, Red Panty Night is gonna be yours. I don't know that he's coming back, but if he does, he will come back to one offer an opponent, and it's you. Okay, great. I I, I only say that because that's the assurance. That Chandler needs that's the whole reason that he's going out to the media and he's staying on Connor, but once he got that assurance, I don't know from a psychological standpoint why he's staying on Connor. I know why to attach himself, I know why to mention him here and there. I know why to remind people, but it's a situation where you look very desperate, and Chandler hasn't done Chandler doesn't look desperate. But, but over a period of time, he for sure will. Right now, he looks hungry. He looks interested. He's in the gym training, working hard, getting ready because he respects and knows he's got a challenge in front of him. I think he's done a good job of telling that story. But Dana came out recently, talked about it in the media, and he said, if Michael Chandler gets restless, we will give him another fight. I believe his exact words is, the organization will figure something out, but that means we'll give him another fight. As Dana said, look, this is a prize fighter. To get the prize, he's got to fight. He's been sitting a long time. Got this great opportunity out there. It's the one that he wants. So what one we're going to give him. But all we can do is our side of it. Right? All we can do is when the time comes and the opponent comes is put them together. We can't force those things to happen. I, I think we all understand this. So it just seems like a position... Where if you're if you're copying the guy that's going to be your opponent, right? You're copying the king. Red panty knight is real. Everybody that goes to social media and tries to build a fight has looked at and studied, to some regard, Conor McGregor. Well, okay, but if we're doing that and we acknowledge that's why we all, including Chandler, are on social media trying to build a fight, if we acknowledge that, we got to do it the way he does it. And he will mention, here and again, Michael Chandler. But in between that, he will talk about 15 other guys, and and that's one of the significant differences. When Conor McGregor says, we're going to do it at 170, and Chandler comes out and says, deal, I understand how that's supposed to look. Deal. We'll go bare knuckle. You can bring a friend. I I get it. But then when Conor comes back, and says, we're going to do it at 155. You say, bet comes back and says, let's do it at 185, the holidays are coming, done, I'm in. When he starts calling all of the shots and changing it, and all of a sudden you can only kick with your right leg and you can only punch with the left hand, I mean, how weird do you want to get? None none of your stipulations and conditions are a deal. You're going to do every goddamn thing under the rules, which are already established, and they're called unified. You want to change something, call Mizzouli and the boys and get a resolution. Or sit there in Ireland and do nothing. I've been promised you and I've been promised other fights. Turns out I don't need you. Thought I did. Thought I needed you, but the boss just said I don't. Promise me you're next if you come back. Turns out I can do something in between. So take your 170, take your 85, take your kicks, take your wrapped hands, take your December, take your USADA, take your 180, shove them up your ass! Have you ever been caught in a rainstorm? Wearing the wrong pair of shoes. Guys, out here in the Pacific Northwest, it happens to us often. I love to take my kids out. I love to take the dogs along with us. We go on nice long walks through the neighborhood. But I hate throwing on clunky rain boots. And you know what I hate even more? Wet socks. What if I told you I came across a shoe that is lightweight, breathable, and waterproof. Not to mention, it's pretty good looking. Vessi has mastered the creation of waterproof functionality and style. These shoes outsmart the weather and keep me ready for anything, rain or shine. I appreciate that I don't have to change my shoes just because the weather can't make up its mind. My Vessi shoes keep up with my day-to-day outings, style, and the weather. Most of the country is about to head into the rainy season, so why don't you head over to Vessi.com. Use the promo code CHAIL. That's going to get you 15% off your order. You're welcome for that, by the way, guys. That's Vessi.com slash CHAIL. V-E-S-S-I dot slash Use the code CHAIL. Save the 15%. Don't wait until your socks are wet. Be prepared and grab a pair. John Strickland driving that same damn old car around. Did you guys ever catch? It was like a Cribs, right? There was a show called MTV Cribs, and Cribs is like a slang for house. Many years ago, but then a, a whole bunch of people started ripping it off, even with their with their iPhone to put on their own TikTok. They'd wander through their house, and there's a variation of that. You come to a guy's house, and he shows you his refrigerator. But you got to be like a really big weirdo to want to see that, but a lot of you are. A lot of you will go watch a random guy work out. So it's one of these things. Somebody stealing the idea of MTV Cribs came and did a piece on Sean Strickland. And he was showing his house around. I mean, I just remember it. it, it, it house, I believe, was an apartment. And I, I just remember the toilet. I remember he went into the bathroom, like the lid was already off, and I used to work in a plumbing case, but he, I just I remember the toilet. And Sean wasn't having a hard time. He took him out to his car. What was that? It was a Honda Accent. I remember he, he popped the back of it. He had his workout gear in there. And he had a lot of other stuff. It looked like he'd been camping out of there. But he was happy this was his car. He, there was no complaint in this. Somebody asked him to show off his stuff. And he did. He showed off his stuff with the exact same positivity and outlook and attitude the, the 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 TikTok McMillionaires go and do. And in the rented McMansions, they get to do the piece. It was awesome. But Sean has also been very open to say, I'm doing this for the money. I'll sell you the belt. He wasn't joking about that. He tried to sell the belt and somebody told him what it was worth. And it was 1700 bucks. He said, that's not even enough to put spinners on my Honda Accent. I guess I'll hang on to it. But that, he's not joking. Well... He made himself some pretty good coin. I mean, he's about to get pay-per-view uh, participation where each fight will make him seven figures with an S, but he's made seven figures. If you go look at all the fights, what did he do with it? And it appears that he saved it because according to the story, the way that the story is being told, he is in that same house. Home, should we call it home? Driving that same Honda Accent. Now he upgraded his girlfriend, and maybe, you know, I think he called her a fiance. Maybe she got some new wheels, and I'm, I, I, I can I can relate to that. First car I ever bought was not for me; I got it for my girl. Right, it's one of those things. You go out, you but you 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 do it for somebody else. It's what your motivation is, right? So I'm just sharing. Sure maybe he did something like that, but if he didn't, if he's just stacking them bricks. I can tell you, I respect it. Charles Barkley had a very famous line. He was giving advice to fellow NBA players who as a group are colossally stupid, particularly with what they do with their finances. And Charles said, your rookie year, you don't go buy a Ferrari. You save it, you wait till you retire, and you go buy a Ferrari dealership. And he might have used a different car. He might have said Mercedes. But you get the point. It was very good advice by Charles Barkley, even if not literal. And there was a football guy that did something like that, Grondowski, and people liked him because of it. He didn't go spend his money. He even had a roommate, and they played video games, and they were in an apartment. He stayed in the same apartment with the same roommate, driving the same car. And I mean, that lasted for a really long time. He now is retired. I'm sure that's not the situation now. But I will speak to the idea, I don't mind a guy upgrading. Like, I don't mind a guy going and doing what Conor McGregor did. You go out there and you want to enjoy, right? A lot of things you've got to do in life, but having a little bit of fun is one of them. I, I don't mind a guy going in that direction. I wouldn't give Sean a hard time if he did. But I will tell you, it's very rare that guys don't. And those guys are different and they get looked at different. They get appreciated different. The the one difference in Stipe Miocic and every other heavyweight that you've ever seen is Stipe didn't change a thing. And a lot of that had to do because of the fire department. That's who he was. Those were his people. Same girl, same city. Kept him what the kids call grounded. And Maybe he wasn't living as meager as Sean Strickland, but I think that you see the comparisons. And I don't want Sean to see this and think like this is tied to a success and he can't go out and get a a bigger place or a car under warranty. I don't want him to think that. That's not my message, but it is something that does make him a man of the people. They very seldomly come as advertised. I mean, you go get on board with an athlete who's out there pretending to be somebody because he thinks it's the right answers. That is a hundred percent the opposite of what Sean did. Sean never gave you the answers or the attitude or the image that he thought any of you or them, meaning sponsors and people on that side wanted. You asked him for an interview. If he graded in the interview, he would give you an interview, which means if you ask him a question, he will answer your question. Not he will manufacture it. And how many of the guys, have, but particularly within sports, how many guys have you got behind only to get your heart broken at some point? Remember that nerd? Remember that nerd with all the medals, uh, Michael Phelps? Remember that guy? And you know a guy's a nerd for a few reasons. I want to put Phelps down, but this is a dork, right? Anytime a guy tells you his diet, particularly if you didn't ask, but even if you did ask, if a guy actually does it, he's a dork. And they, I remember that this Phelps has eaten 12,000 calories a day. Like, first off, that's not true. But second off, that's just weird that you would tell us. Like, there's some stuff... So you get behind Phelps and he sets a record. And he got went out that was at 22 medals, 21 goals, something crazy. Most successful Olympian ever over Carlos, over everybody. Turns out he, he's smoking the drugs and then he couldn't even fest to it when he was caught. He, it was a learning experience. I mean, they just break your heart. Because they don't come as advertised because they give the pocketed answers. They think that's what they're supposed to do. And then you have a guy like Sean, I'm just sharing with you. Like, this is an experiment. This has really never been done. I've really never seen anything quite like this, where a guy who they were trying to cancel, but he refused to let him, and he happened to work for the only guy in America that wouldn't give in, is now an inspiration he hasn't changed. He has not changed. He didn't change in anything. Well, Chaley's the world champion. No, he kicked somebody's ass and a belt came with it. He'd been kicking ass since before I knew him. <laughs> the day I met him, he'd already whipped 17 men. I'm just telling you, he hasn't changed. I was given a piece of advice by Roddy Piper one time. And Roddy Piper told me, don't do anything different. Everybody hated me. They all hated me. So said, don't do anything different. Eventually, they will love you for the exact same things they currently hate you for. Do not see the hate and think that you need to change. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know what it meant when he said it. I hadn't seen it. I didn't understand the psychology. I was a younger guy. I didn't know what it meant. But I do know what it means now. And I did see it. And I did feel it. And I'm seeing it with Sean. And it was to the point that Robert Whitaker... Talked to the media recently and talked about how Sean won over the Australian people. And I must tell you, I watched everything Sean did in Australia. I did not know that. Sean got to Australia. He had to hit some somebody got hit in the stomach. Extra security got applied. He came out of Crocodile Dundee. He wasn't trying to get them to like him. I didn't actually know they did. I don't know, I don't know what happened or what they saw or what Rocky Mo. I don't know. I just know that a very popular Australian fighter named Robert Whittaker said, Yes, Sean won them over, and I'm not surprised. He spoke to them. He acted like them. He dressed like them. He came and performed for them. He asked nothing of them. Like, this was Whittaker speaking. And that's very interesting to me. I I know how you guys, I know how North America has changed. I'll just remind you, Sean has not And that's pretty unique, and it's pretty cool. Dylan Dennis going to do the fight. I got to tell you that. I mean, he sent out a tweet earlier in the week that says, I'm over this SHI asterisk. We understood that that was fully meant to make us speculate. But if you were to speculate, you'd be very fair to say he's not going to do the fight because we were thinking that anyway. Why were you going to go fight a guy who's suing you? And why would you do that? On one hand, he's going to give you money that you're earning the extremely hard way. I can't really think of anything too much more difficult than going into combat for money. I I can't really think of too many things. And then that guy has a plan to take it back from you. That's in place. It's in motion, right? It's a hard thing. It's a hard thing. In all fairness, it is. Dylan says, I'm going. Dylan did a spot with Ariel. And they have a back and forth. And Ariel either doesn't get it a little bit. Ariel Ariel gets everything. But there are times where the characters can get flowing and Ariel either doesn't get it a little bit, meaning 95% of Ariel gets it. He's a very smart guy. Ariel gets it. But there's something he's missing. Or he gets it to such a high degree, he'll make you think he does it. And I'm just just saying, like, Ariel and the way he behaves to Dylan actually makes me a little nervous. I like watching their stuff. I don't think I've missed it, but I do watch it a little bit nervous. There was a spot yesterday where Dylan told Ariel, hey, I want to make up, man. We're good. We're good. And this was after they had a very nice talk. And Dylan even said, you know, I was in a dark place, I had this knee surgery, and, you know, he was talking about, it. he really let some stuff out. Very calmly, very politely, very likably. He recently had a son, and he spoke about that, how amazing fatherhood is. And this is his first child. The son's a month old. He says, I haven't even named him yet. He said, I, I want him to have a really cool name. I don't want it to be something Aryan like Ariel, which I thought was a funny spot. And Ariel graciously agreed. And Dylan said, so I got so many things going on. I want to give a full focus to his name. Only point I'm trying to, this was a different interview. This was a different Dylan. There's a much softer side of Dylan. It was very likable. And at the end, so you got to understand that that happened. A very nice interview took place. There was a moment where Dylan told him, shake my hand. I don't think you have to correct me. What I I watched the entire thing. I'm, I'm spitting up. But there was a point, and Arrow refused to do it. Now, Arrow was not doing it from a perspective. He didn't think he could trust him. I'm going to shake his hand. Then he's going to attack me. The old pro wrestling, right? Oh, I get kicked in the gut. There's a stone cold center. I understand that, but it made me nervous. And it made me nervous because I was self-projecting. That's my thing. And I don't have many of them. But if I go to shake your hand and you don't shake my hand back, we now have a problem. And I can't do anything about that. I I, I do not brag to you. I admit that's a character flaw. Put your hand down and walk away. I don't know how. I don't, know, I don't know how from this point, and you've re- I, I don't know how to put it down. If I did, I would, and I would, I never would have come here in the first place. I don't know how to do that. We now have a problem, and I don't think I'm going to put it down and walk away. I think I'm going to put the other one up, and I'm going to come forward. I mean, it's a thing, and I'm not the only guy, and I could tell that Dylan had in him a little bit of what I had in me, because he said, shake my hand. He offered it very graciously, and Ariel refused it. And Dylan did it back away and he said it, shake my hand. And I was so nervous watching this. I wasn't sure that Ariel was hearing it the way it was being said. And he said it a second time, shake my hand, which now makes for a third time overall. And Ariel did shake his hand. And guess what? He meant it. It was very gracious. He shook his hand. But it was just one of these spots where, ah, man, maybe Ariel doesn't know that rule. Maybe that's a, right? Because I don't know where that came from within me. And then I saw Dylan do it. I thought, oh, this is because we're wrestlers. Anytime there is a problem, when the problem is over, like it or don't like it, when it's over, you shake hands and you drop it forever. You don't go in the back and find the guy. It is over, like it or not. And you learn that from a little age and never in the history of ever has that not been enforced. And there are guys that have tried to storm off the mat. And whether it's the referee that grabs them or the coach grabs them, they will physically return that person and they will touch hands. And I'm just bringing it to you, like, it made me nervous when Ariel didn't want to shake his hand. And I thought, oh, partner, you're you're taking this too far or you think he's taking it too far. And Dylan doesn't, he's given Ariel some wonderful moments, not to mention he goes in studio, not to mention when he's not there. He is the butt of a lot of Ariel's jokes. Now, Ariel, like a man, if he says it about you when you're not there, you're free to come on. You can come on via Zoom, you can come in in person, and he will say it to you again. So it kind of put Ariel in one of these spots where he did have to be a little, he had to bring that that same energy as Kamar Usman, told Ben Askren. And I thought that my old partner lived up to that. But there was a point where, it, hey, at the, either way, easy way or hard way, that dude's a killer and you're Ariel. So one thing that's never been considered, and I'm not sure it's even been considered by Dylan himself, is what happens if he wins? Because he had told Ariel that he believes after this match is done that he'd like to go over to the UFC. And he's told the Bellator sold. I've heard that rumor myself. But when he spoke about this, and when Ariel accepted his answer, or even asked the question, I don't believe either of them took it from a perspective of what if Dylan wins. One thing about a fight is all chips are in at all times. There is no, I'll see you, I'll raise you. Whatever's in your pockets, whatever you have collected in those pockets over the history of your life is on the line. And this fight's a little bit different. It's a little bit different. If Dylan Dennis wins with the lawsuit and the situation of Logan, I'm trying to think of her name. I had the foggiest idea. They have to stay married forever and ever. Like he not only has to marry her, they have to be married they have to be married longer than anybody's ever been married. Death and beyond. They have to be, or Dylan wins. Right? I mean, this is such a unique situation. And what you're going to continue to sue the guy that just whipped your boyfriend's ass? Let me tell you how that's going to go. Dylan isn't going to be needed to pine himself between Bellator and UFC. and Pitt. He's not going to do that. He's going to have to sit back and figure out which one he wants to do. The first one's going to be calling him up is Vince. He will take that WWE spot. Logan will have it too. Logan's doing a great job. I'm just sharing with you. Vince has a history of this. They were bringing in Mike Tyson, a special guest referee, until he got knocked out of Tokyo. They scanned Tyson. They brought in Buster Douglas. Didn't even think twice about it. Nobody even knew who Buster was, but that's the way they rolled. You live the gimmick. You live the character. Tyson was five times more famous. You live the gimmick and you live the character. And it's one thing that's really never been considered. What happens if Dylan wins? He will be the one then going with Jake. He will be the, Jake would love that. Oh, Jake would love that, right? Little brother would love to get over on big brother in some fashion. They're the ones that told us that. Told us that in the impulsive interview. And it's one thing that's never been taken into consideration by any of them. And I don't think that includes Dylan. And I've been in that spot where you hear something so many times, you see the signs of somebody, you you move forward. It's one of these things. Dylan's life is going to be very different with a win over Logan Paul. I don't know that anybody could outbox a non-boxer and gain more than Dylan could in this particular situation. And Dylan's smart. He'll use it too. Dylan will beat him. He'll flip the script. He'll go to WWE. He'll partner with KSI. He'll start his own energy drink. I mean, I'm just saying, like, you don't know what he's going to do, but I don't think he does either. I don't know that really been considered. Like, hey, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Yeah, sure. I understand that we will, but I'm going to go ahead and look into a crystal ball and make a prediction for you. And it doesn't have to do with who's going to win the fight. We'll get to that sooner or later. But I'll remind you, this isn't a little bit, this isn't the titles up maybe, this isn't to a TV time limit, there are no Cold Miner gloves. You go into combat, you're all in, all of it. The record, the titles, everybody you beat, everybody around you, your fan base, your t-shirt, everything is on the line. Dylan isn't looking to just interfere and promote a fight. He's not looking to just win and follow through on his word. Dylan's in a position to take it all. Oh my God, I was dying. Oh, I was rolling. So... My son wakes me up every day, 7.15 and he doesn't say, dance time to get up. He doesn't say it's 7.15. It says it's shower time. Now, I mean, I'm up, but my up is a cup of coffee for me and the wife. We get back in bed. We've got the news on. We got the Robin Hoods. We're checking the markets. We're looking at cryptos. We're pretending we're smart people, right? We're going through the dot coms. We're looking at the USA Todays. Get ready to come and talk to you people. Having our coffee, and getting juvenile. But when he comes in and he says it's shower time, that is where we have to go and we do a shower. Every now and then he'll even bring a dog. I'm not joking about that. Every now and then he'll bring, we gotta got wash the dog in the morning. Mommy says it's positive, the but this is every day. This is a routine. And one thing great about the shower is the acoustics. You guys probably know that, right? But my opportunity for music is my iPhone. Even when I'm in my car, I got different speakers, but it plugs and I go to my iPhone. This is where I get my music. So we're in the bathroom, i plug this up. My YouTube will make suggestions much like yours will. Now there's a guy called Jay-Z and Jay-Z is a very famous person in the music business. I would go as far as to call him a mogul. He is married to a famous rapper called Beyonce. He is the one, Jay-Z, he he discovered Rihanna, brought Rihanna over from the Bahamas. The guy's big. What I did not know, what I'm here to share with you because you probably did not know, is earlier in his career, he used to sing. So I get this song that comes up and it's Jay-Z. And you understand, he doesn't spell his, it's not J. Dot, Z dot. If you're going to look him up, it's J-A-Y. J is spelled out, then just the letter Z. That'll bring it up on YouTube if you want to go find him. So he pops up on my YouTube. I can't figure out what he's doing. J-Z, what's this guy doing? I push the button. There's a song. Now, you understand. I turn this on. I got it on full blast, which isn't very loud. It's about as loud, full blast music on an iPhone. It's about as loud as I'm talking to you right now, but I'm in the shower. So I got the acoustics with my son. Oh my God. So this, oh. <laughs> JC. All right. He says the greatest line I have ever heard in hip hop. You understand? I know hip hop. My buddy Justin, and I, uh, Justin, and I, we didn't have a whole bunch of entertainment. We were country guys. There wasn't a lot to do. But we were into music, whether that was the radio or we go down, we get a cassette tape. We get a CD, we get together, we listen to it. We did two kinds of music. We did country and we did rap. And I know that's a strange combination, but this is like in the day, you guys remember Two Live Crew and NWA? And I know that stuff, I I understand that. But we were 11 and 12 years old. You had to be 18 to get your hands on that. So that was cool to us, regardless of the lyrics or or, or how risque that might have been. That was a cool thing that we had, it, right? Then other kids wanted to come hang out with us so they could hear it. We would get all of that stuff. And that wasn't stuff that I love. I was into Sir Mix a lot. I was into Heavy D. One of the great lines I have ever heard and tell the story I'm about to tell you was simply the digital underground. When he said, all right, stop what you're doing because I'm about to ruin the image and the style that you're used to. I look funny, but Joe, I'm making money. See, that was a great line. And there's another one that Heavy D said where he simply said, it's me, the overweight lover, MC, Heavy D. I liked it. That was a great line. I'm in the shower, 7.15, with my son, push a button on a dude who produces music and discovers people like Rihanna. Turns out he used to sing himself. And he said, and I quote, if you got girl problems, I feel for you, son. I have 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. Ha <laughs> God. I couldn't believe he said this. I couldn't believe he said, Oh, I wish I could tell you guys the name of the song. If you go to YouTube and you type in Jay-Z, this will come up. I could not believe that he said this. So I'm with my son. We got shampoo. We're doing that. That, that language doesn't come up. He does not know what bitch is. And I'm not confident he said it. I'm not confident he said, because take, think of Rihanna. And then there's a guy called P. Diddy, who I'm quite sure, not positive, quite sure that Jay-Z also produced him, or think of Beyonce. These are all people on the radio. So it would lead you to believe that Jay-Z himself, to know that business, must have done it himself, which means he must have been on the radio, which at some point they would have said, I got 99 problems, but a bitch ate one on the radio. I feel like that would have gotten to me. I feel like that would have gotten to me. And I didn't hear about this. So I, act, I got soap in my hand. I got to get this. I got to go to the t- And I got to rewind it. I must have heard this wrong. I restart the whole thing. Whole thing from the top. If you got girl problems. I feel for you, son. I got 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. Now, if you guys listen to hip hop, if you understand hip hop and rap, and I do, you got to take it from me. Bitch is interchangeable with girl. When you hear the word bitch, he's saying girl. You got to trust me on that. I know what I'm talking about. So let's rework it. You got girl problems. I feel for you, son. I got 99 problems, but a girl's not one. What is he telling us? What is he telling us? That he's he's got girls and they don't create problems for him? Or he's got girls, they do create the same kind of drama for him, but he does not care. I don't know. I, I I don't actually know. There's probably a couple of interpretations, but I got to tell you, I like it. I like it. I'm into it. I could have done without the bitch. I wish he would have said girl, but I like the message. My son is a young man. This is a second grader. He's a long time from having his little feelers hurt, but it's coming. It's coming. And I've seen a lot of guys get off course because of it. They run into some trifling gal, and they don't understand. They think she's different. theirs relationship different. They don't understand those love stories aren't real. The man, much like olden times. Olden times, he had to bring a goat. Or he had to bring a chicken. Or he had to bring a gold watch. But he had to bring something. For sure, it's called a dowry. You want the girl, you had to bring something. That has not gone away. They just don't talk about it. The guy has got to bring something. And I know that didn't happen in the stories you read, but the guy's got to bring something. This is how every heartbreak that a dude goes through happens. He doesn't know. Nobody told him that. He believed the fairy tale. The girl's looking around. She found a guy that brought more in her opinion than he brought. She's gone. I like the mess, but I've seen guys do this. I've seen them get off course. I've seen them leave to the bottle. I've seen them flop go to school. I've seen them quit sport both ways. They fall in love. Now they can't go to practice anymore. Or they get their heart broken. Now they can't go to practice anymore. I see it all the time. If I would have known that this mogul producer was out there singing songs that may or may not have made the radio, uh, the overweight lover MC Heavy D, let me introduce myself correctly, is no longer the greatest line I've ever heard in hip-hop. If you got girl problems, I feel for you son. I got 99 problems and a girl A1. That I won Celebrity Apprentice. There was an incident and there was an incident where we were put on a clock. We had to finish a project in X amount of time. And the only thing that would stop the clock is a technical issue. So we needed more time. I took a pair of scissors. I cut the cord and created a technical issue which everyone loved, and ultimately, I believe it's probably why I went on and was crowned the champion. Setting that aside, okay, doing the first rule of the military, which is to improvise, as great as I did in that situation, it appears that I have a bit of a copycat. I have a bit of a fan. It would appear. Congressman Bozeman went to the House floor and he had to cast a vote, and he only had a couple of minutes left. And that's a quote by him: a couple of minutes. Now, a couple of minutes is very loosely used. Like there could be 40 minutes left, and people will say, oh, I had a couple of minutes, right? It's, it's one of those things. Couple is supposed to mean two. Maybe in this case it does. I don't know. He said a couple of minutes, and the point was he gets to the door. He gets to the door of the chamber and it's locked. It's never locked, he says. It's locked. So he sees it's a fire alarm and not a different fire alarm. The exact fire alarm that you guys saw in every school that you've ever gone to. The red one, the red one that you pull down. And then there's like rumors that go around school that when you pull it down, it shoots a red dye in your hand. So if you ever pull it accidentally, which is going to trigger the alarm to come and it's going to turn the sprinklers on, it's going to ruin and mold out your entire school, but at least it won't burn down. They will catch you and they will arrest you. I don't know if that red dye is a real thing. I don't know. People used to tell me that in the swimming pool. Don't pee in the swimming pool. It's got red dye. I will tell you, I never was in a pool where that red dye was an actual real thing, but it might be in the fire situation. I don't know. But it was that exact same red, pull it down, rah, the alarms go off and you must evacuate. And nobody ever messes with the integrity of the alarm. And I had a kid in school. Maybe you can match the story, but I had a kid in school do it. And they not only brought the police, they suspended him for five days. And under today's wussified standard, perhaps that doesn't catch you off guard. But back then, oh my God, this was the the biggest troublemaker we'd ever met. Biggest troublemaker we'd ever made was suspended for an entire week. He had the police come to school. His mom and dad had to come get him. Some guy dared him and he pulled it and just sharing with you, it's it's a big deal. If you've ever been through, it's a big deal. So at any rate, Chael P buys time on Celebrity Apprentice as the only one that read the rule, as the only one that knew there was one way to stop the clock, right? I got five teammates that are sitting there with their thumb up their ass. I read the rule. The technical difficulty stops the clock. I created the difficulty, which I believe is probably why the governor anointed me celebrity apprentice. At any rate, the congressman is headed to the chamber. You must vote within X amount of time. You must. It's not just vote today. The polls will close, right? The ballots will close. If you can keep somebody out, if somebody gets stuck in a traffic accident, if somebody gets sick, if somebody in the hospital, it does not matter. They either voted or they didn't. It's pretty tough. And he gets to the door and the door is locked. So he pulls the fire alarm and his story is he thought that was a buzzer and that it would buzz him in. It would alert somebody that he was trapped out here and a door that's normally opened is not opened. He he thought he pulled a buzzer. He did not know it would evacuate the chamber In it's entirely, which it appears it did just that. It did evacuate the chamber. And had enough people not voted, it literally could have affected the bill. That's what they're saying. And it turns out this congressman had seen me. He saw me and he was paying some type of homage or he was inspired in some way. Now, there is a little bit of a difference. When the governor asked me, Chael, why did you cut the cord? I said, because the rules say... Technical difficulty you'll buy his time we needed it, and my four teammates, who were possibly illiterate, definitely drunk, didn't read or or know the rule or have the courage to step forward. That's why I did it. He said, "Chale, you're hired, but what I'm sharing with you moreover is I told the truth, that's the truth, that's why I did it. It wasn't an accident. I wasn't attempting to repair the cord, I wasn't mad at the cord. I was trying to get time. I told the truth. And the cover-up is always worse than the crime. And Bozeman is saying, I thought it was a buzzer to get me in. That's what he's saying. That could be true. I could not speak to his mental state. I can tell you that he used to be a principal of a middle school. And it's the exact same alarm. And if you wanted game, set, match, you would find somebody from that middle school and all those years he was there that pulled that alarm and you'd find out what he did to them. If he punished them, his story is not going to hold. But the whole thing happens to be caught on video. And I'm watching his mannerisms. And I know this is an actor, like I know this is a high level dirt bag, right? It's the same guy that won the Suburban Prince. It's a high level dirt bag that knows when the camera's on, knows the expressions to make. He knew where the camera was. He knew exactly what he was doing. But if you do go watch the tape, his mannerisms were as such that he was, try- he was trying to get he was trying to get someone's attention and, and get in the door. I thought he sold it pretty well. I thought he sold it pretty well. The cover up is worse than the crime. Ultimately, it's a misdemeanor. He could say, "I juxtaposed a misdemeanor for pulling this alarm and clearing the chamber against a government shutdown that I was attempting to avoid." I won. I got my way. Give me the citation. He could do that. he go out like jail. He'd go out like a gangster, but it wasn't his route. And he might hold up, but either way, it's national news. I inspired the guy who inspired the alarm pole that made national news. All right, guys, that's it. I have had it with you all. Thank you. For those of you who are interacting with me on Spotify, you know, I got a great comment from Lehman, who simply said, I thoroughly enjoy every episode. Well, thank you, Liam. I hope you enjoy the fights this weekend, and I know we'll all be back here on Tuesday to talk about it. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.